Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. It's a great day to have church. Hopefully you're not just having church on Sunday. Come on, hopefully you're getting in your Bible throughout the week and uh, reading your Bible, seeing what God has to say to you. Well, today we're going to go, and I want you to turn there with me. So if you could get out your Bibles, whether that's a digital format or a hardcover copy or a nice leather-bound one, whatever you have today. I like the leather-bound one. I have nice, soft leather. Some of you guys like the different type of leather. Whatever. Get out your Bible. We're going to go to an Old Testament book, and it's the book of Esther. And uh, if the easiest way to find that is just go to the table of contents or for some of you newer generation people, just point and click. We're going to go to the book of Esther, Esther chapter 2, and we are in our God of the Underdog series, and I don't know, how many of you guys have been enjoying this series? Anybody been getting something out of it? Like five of you, the rest of you, hopefully today will be your day. Come on, how many of you guys getting something out of it? Come on, make a pastor feel good right now. Okay, some of you getting something out of it. In our God of the Underdog series, um, we've been looking at several different uh, characters throughout the Bible um, that, that you know, to us, they became big names. A person like David, uh, you know, King David. David, the guy that took out the giant, Goliath. And we've been looking at, you know, people like him. We actually looked at Jesus one weekend. Come on, there's no bigger name in the Bible than Jesus, right? And so we've been looking at these big names, but yet what we're discovering is that they had moments and times in their lives where, where they were underdogs or at least could have felt like underdogs. And I know that I felt like an underdog in many areas of my life, even in this spiritual journey of growing closer to Jesus Christ. I found myself at times feeling like an underdog. And so we've been looking at this, and here's what we've come to discover, um, that even though we may feel like an underdog, if God is on our side, come on, he can use us to do incredible things by his grace. Amen? And so even though we might feel like an underdog, guess what? You're set up perfectly. That's why the Bible says that Christ came to save sinners. There's no greater underdog than, than that person, but Christ came for that person. And that's such a great message because even though you and I might be feeling like an underdog in some area of our life, come on, you're set up perfectly for God to use you. Uh, we also come to realize that in order for us not to feel necessarily like an underdog does not mean that we rise up and do something amazing and incredible, but rather we come to the understanding that it is all about him and rest in his grace and in that position be freed up to be used by God. Amen? Amen. We're not talking about a message that says you feel like an underdog and, and look at you, you are an underdog, and all of a sudden one day God gives you this absolutely incredible platform and, and you went from, you know, earning $1,000 a year to now you're a multimillionaire, okay? We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is that even in the state of being an underdog, he is still seated on the throne. Are you with me? He is still God over the universe and you still have the potential to be used by him. I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message if you missed it, and we covered that pretty, pretty in depth. Well, today, though, we're going to look at this girl in the Bible named Esther, and we're going to understand that this excuse that I've used before, maybe none of you have, but this excuse that I've used before, and it's this, my chances are too slim. Okay, anybody ever, ever, ever thought that before? Like, I see the door open, I see the opportunity, but you know what? My chances are slim. I'm probably not going to get it. Probably not going to get in. And so what we're going to discover today as we look at the life of Esther and some things to the book of Esther, we're going to discover that by his grace, that excuse is already overcome. You with me? Esther chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 12 to verse 23. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to pull some things out of this narrative today that I think will apply to us and uh, speak to us today and help us overcome or realize that that excuse is already overcome, that your chances are 
too slim. Now, for many of us sitting here today, this is going to be our first time hearing the story about Esther. Now, I know some of you, you grew up in church and you heard about it. Come on, how many of you guys ever watched the VeggieTale version of it? Come on, one of my favorites. And, and I, the reason I've seen the VeggieTale version is because of my daughters, right? It's not because I really enjoy secretly VeggieTales, although I do, all right? Um, but, you know, there's all these different versions and so, but I know there's plenty of you sitting here today that this is going to be the first time you've ever heard about this woman named Esther. And so let me just catch us up to speed in what's taking place in this incredible book. Esther is a Jewish woman, and she is living in Persia. What has happened now is that the Jewish nation who is serving God, who is God's chosen people, had been taken over by Babylon. And they were living under Babylonian rule and under Babylonian dictatorship. But many years later, uh, Persia comes along and now conquers Babylon. So now they're living in that context. When Persia came in and took over Babylon, uh, the Jewish people, many of them were allowed to return back to Jerusalem or back to their, their native land. But because the Jews have now become accustomed to living within this society, many of them stayed. So as we read portions of this story today, these are going to be Jewish people living with under a, a Persian society in a Persian kingdom, okay? What happens in this story is uh, the king, and I won't even try to mention his name because you've probably heard it mentioned, you know, in many different ways, but I, I listened to the pronunciation yesterday and I thought I'm just going to destroy it. I'm not going to try. So we're just going to call him the king of Persia, all right? And the king of Persia now is one day is having a party, all right? It looked a lot like Canvas Church. Come on, somebody, all right? He's having a good time, and, and he invites all of his friends in to party with him. And, and now the party's going on, and he decides, you know what? I want my wife to come in, and, and I want you guys to, you know, be entertained by her and check out how gorgeous she is and, and whatnot. Come on, what, what, what husband doesn't think their wife is gorgeous, right? You with me? Okay, guys, that would be a good place to say amen right there. I'm, I'm helping you out. I'm setting you up, all right? Work with me, all right? And so he's, he, he brings in his, his, his wife, Vashti, or Vashti, or Vash, whatever you want to call her, and, and she comes in, or no, she doesn't come in. He calls, summons for her, but she refuses. She was like, I am not going to be anybody's eye candy. Come on, somebody. See, I'm not, I, am not, I am not a boy toy. I'm not eye candy. I ain't coming. She refuses to come, okay? Put it in my context, all right? She says, I'm not coming, Okay? Now, now, the king is like, hold on a second. Now, this isn't the way things work. In those days, when, when the king summoned you, you came. But she says, I'm not going to come. This, this obviously ticks off the king. And now in front of all of his buddies, his buddies are like, dude, what are you going to do now? Right? And so he's like, he's got to come up with a plan. And, and so he starts talking amongst his advisors and his buddies, like, what are we going to do? And they're like, man, you can't let that happen. Because if you do that, then every woman is going to treat their husband like that. And that's just not the way we roll in Persia. All right? And so they devise a plan. They say, here's what you need to do. You need to, you, need to, you need to get rid of her, and you need to get yourself a new queen. And he's just like, yeah. You know, here's, here's, here's his wife, the mother of his children. Come on, he's just going to be like, you didn't want to be my eye candy. You gone. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. All right? And, uh, and so he just says, okay, you know, you, you go, and, 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 and we're going to come up with a plan. This is the plan they come up with. They said, hey, king, why don't you go ahead and look for all of the virgins in the land and, uh, you know, all, all the beautiful ones and, and bring them in, and then we'll give them all these treatments. And it's a pretty lengthy process. We'll see it in Scripture today. And, and then at the end of 12 months, you choose for yourself a new, a new queen. And he's like, ah, that's a great idea, okay? So in this is this young Jewish girl named Esther, okay? And as the story would go on, Esther gets chosen to be queen. 
the least likely because she's really the wrong nationality. Not only that, we're going to see that she was actually raised by her cousin Mordecai. Her parents were gone, so really she was written off by society. She really should have been a nobody, but then she, she gets in and she gets chosen and now she's queen. And what we discover is the reason she gets chosen queen is because later on, Haman, one of the officials in Persia, has this grudge against all of the Jews and wants to get rid of all of them. Okay? The king, not knowing that his wife is a Jew, says, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Let's get rid of all of them. But now Esther got put in a position by God to now step in and save the whole entire nation. Are you with me? Okay, that's the story. And the story would go on and we'd see that, man, Esther and and God and what God wanted wins out and the Jewish people are saved, okay? So here's Esther. She's positioned. Let's read about her. Esther chapter 2, starting in verse 21. And it says, sorry, 12. It says this, now when the turn came for each young woman, these are all the women that got gathered, to go into the king, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since that was the regular period of their uh, beautifying, six months with oil and myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women. Come on, if you're not married yet, write that down. That's what you have to do before your wedding day, all right? Women say, well, well, we need time to plan the wedding. They don't tell you that this is actually what's going on. They're not planning a wedding there. Are you with me? When the young women went into the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her uh, uh, from the harem of the king's palace. So she could say, I want to take this, I want to take that, and bring it in and try to win over the king. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of, of that guy, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubine. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of that person, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing. Highlight that in your mind. Everyone else, you can take whatever you want and they would take stuff, but she took nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women advised. Now, Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to the king into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. Come on, he picked her. And she won grace and favor in the sight more than all the virgins so that he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Ashton. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes. Come on, somebody. I won't read that one again because that would be a happy Mother's Day, right? No taxes to provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now fast forward a little bit. Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her, her kindred or her people, as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when he was, uh, she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, uh, those people, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told it to the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged and, uh, on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. 
All right? So here it is, a plot to kill the king, but because Esther is positioned in the palace, Mordecai hears it, goes to Esther, reports it. Now Esther tells the king, king is saved, which eventually plays on now to save the whole entire Jewish nation. Esther, the least likely possibility, her chances were slim. She didn't come from the right people. She didn't have any parents, but God positioned her. God raised her up, even though her chances were slim. And because of that, the nation was saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together around this incredible word, that you would teach us, you would instruct us, we would grow, and we would come to the understanding that although we are underdogs, every excuse has been conquered at the cross of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can be used to do incredible things for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Esther's chances were, were slim. Now, I have a lot of stories I could share with you this morning uh, where my chances were very, very slim, and I thought about a lot of them, but yesterday, as I was preparing for Mother's Day, I walked into this situation where my chances were very, very slim. Now, Mother's Day is, a, is, is, is fun to celebrate for me. I have an incredible mom right here, gonna be 79 years old this year. She's beautiful. You look at her and you can tell where I got my good looks. Come on, somebody, right? And I, I wouldn't be here without my mom, and that statement is true both in the natural and in the spiritual sense. Wouldn't be here without that. I love celebrating Mother's Day, but Mother's Day presents a bit of a challenge for me uh, because uh, when I try to help my children celebrate Mother's Day, I approach it from the context of how I receive love. Now, anybody that's known me long enough knows that the way you show Pastor Ben love is through gifts, right? Like, that's just my love language. You want to you show me love? I mean, hugs are cool, all right? You know, words of affirmation, those work as well. But you want to show me love, man. It's like, you could give me a gift. It didn't have to be an expense. You could just give me a Starbucks. I'm like, oh, you are my best friend, right? And I start singing the song, can you feel? No, I don't, but that's what, that's what, I, that's what I feel love, all right? My wife, on the other hand, is not, not like that. And so when Mother's Day rolls around, I'm thinking, let's get her a gift. And my kids are a little bit on the gift side of love, too. And so they're thinking gift, but, but it's really difficult. And so this week, I was trying to, you know, get from my kids, hey, you've been hanging out with mom. I know you guys went shopping the other day. Did you see anything she liked? And they're like, no. I'm like, like did she hint around that she wanted anything? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, did she try anything on? They're like, well, she tried on some dress. I'm like, what do they look like? We don't know. And I'm like, gosh, you guys are no help. Like, this, is, this is problematic for me. You know? And so I was like, well, go clean your room then. Because that's the way we're going to show mom love. Do it now. Clean mine while you're at it too. She likes gifts of service. That's the way she, she receives love, right? And so I, I, I supervised, and my kids cleaned the house yesterday. Come on, somebody, right? But, and she loved it, right? But still, there's something inside of me that just, I, I can't celebrate, you know, Mother's Day without her getting a gift. And so I'm trying. So even yesterday, I'm sitting there talking with Faith. I'm like, Faith, come on, think really hard. Is there anything? And she's like, Dad, I don't got anything. My child, come on. So while I'm talking with Faith, all of a sudden I got a text. It was from my wife, and she happened to be out running some errands, and she texted me a picture of a purse. And I'm like, God answers in mysterious ways. <laughs> right? She texted me a picture of a purse, and I was like, that's cute. You should get it. You know, like, buy your own gift, you know? <laughs> oh, help somebody out here. And so sure enough, she comes, she comes home, and she comes walking through the door with, like, groceries. And I'm like, did you get the purse? And she's like, no. Light bulb starts going off. I'm like, sweet. 
I'm like, oh, why not? It was so cute. Yeah, but it's Mother's Day, and I didn't want to spend money on myself because I know you guys are going to spend money on me. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And we had devised a whole other plan, but all of a sudden I nudged Faith. I was like, Faith, we got to go run some errands. I'm like, hey, babe, we got to go. And she's like, okay. So I'm asking all the stores, so what stores did you go to today, you know? And so, sure enough, we go on a mission, and we're going to go to every store that she went to that day, and we're going to find that picture of that purse. Are you with me? And so we get, we get to Ross, because she likes going to Ross, because we're bargain shoppers. Come on, somebody. That's right. If they don't have it at Goodwill, we're going to Ross. Come on now. So I walk into Ross, and the picture was perfect. It was hanging on the end of all the pur- purses, and it was, you know, nicely displayed. And I'm like, I know our chances are slim faith, but we're going to find this purse. So we walked all the end caps, and there's no purse. And she's like, Dad, give me that. She's like, oh, here. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. And we are literally in there for a long time. We are rummaging through all the purses. And I don't know what it is about the Saturday before Mother's Day, but every mom and their, and their child was in Ross, all right? So I am literally chucking moms to the side of the aisles trying to find this purse. And I'm literally running around. I probably looked like an absolute idiot, but I'm running around. And I'm looking for purses, and I would see a lady go for a purse, and I'd try to get in there real quick just to make sure. And this is no joke. Trying to make sure that they didn't get the one. And Faith is literally throwing every purse on the ground trying to find the purse. I should have videotaped it. And all of a sudden, she goes, Dad, I see it. And she reaches through all the purses through the other, into the other aisle across the way. She's 10. Her arms aren't very long, and she grabs it. And I'm like, she goes, Dad, it's hidden right back there. It's right there. I see it. And so I literally, I ran around some moms. I go over there, and, and I beeline for it, and I got all by it. I go, yes! Our chances were slim, but we found the purse. Come on, somebody. No, no applause needed. I might have some bumps and bruises. And this morning, man, the girls were so excited to bring this gift to her and to present it to her. And she pulled it out, and she just gleamed, and she just got this big smile on her face. And then she goes, oh, man, I hid this so that I could go back and get it later. (laughs) You! True story. I walked in knowing my chances were slim, and she made them even slimmer. But finally, finally, I found, I found the purse, even though my chances were slim. Are you with me this morning? And I want you to know something. I want you to know something that much like that purse that is hidden, there is a treasure hidden inside each and every single one of you. And it is the mission of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ to come and search out the great potential, the great ministry, the great destiny, the great identity, and the great treasure that is inside of you. And sometimes you might feel like your chances are slim. Sometimes you might feel like you're hanging on the back behind everybody else. But God will come by the Holy Spirit and cut through everything every obstacle to find you, to pull you out, and to help you find your purpose. Amen? You might feel like an underdog. Your chances might be slim. Esther's chances were slim. She was from the wrong, the wrong people. She had no mom and dad. She would raise by her cousin. Think about that one for a moment. Think about your cousins. Now think about them raising you. Problematic. Are you with me? Her chances were slim. She was an underdog, but she served a great God. And see, ladies and gentlemen, our chances might seem really slim. And when your chances are slim, here's what begins to happen. 
your confidence begins to break down. If you've ever been in that situation, applying for a job, and you see everybody else lined up, oh, chances are slim. Confidence begins to diminish, whatever it might be. But our confidence might begin to diminish until we remember who's in our corner. Amen? And Esther happened to remember who was in her corner. So I want to show you real quickly in the next few moments we have together where Esther's confidence came from. Are you with me? You getting some out of this today? All right. Esther's confidence, although it could have been broke down because her chances were slim, Esther's confidence, one of the, one of the areas it came from, the first one is this, it came from the intangible things. The intangible things. What do we mean by that? It says here in verse 15 of Esther chapter 2, it talks about how when the women would go in to please the king that they could take whatever they wanted. And so just imagine, if you would, that, 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 that woman that's about ready to go meet the queen, that, or the king, that, that she would go pick the right outfit out, and she would go and, and grab this thing and, and grab that thing, and she would try to, try to please the king with all of these exterior things to try to win over his affection. But look what happens with Esther. But Esther took nothing except for that which the person over her said to bring. Are you with me? It wasn't something that tangible that she brought, but rather it was who she was that won over the king. Her confidence did not come from outward things. It did not come from things that she could dress herself with or bring into that moment, but rather her confidence came from the intangible. It came from the work that was happening on the inside. And this is something that you and I need to understand because even when it comes to this, this message called the good news, the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ, this grace message, I want you to know something that there is absolutely nothing you can do, no work you could accomplish to try to win over the heart of the king. You have the king's heart because of who you are. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his child. And it is that very intangible fact that should give us confidence. Are you with me this morning? Amen. She went with whatever they said, but it wasn't the thing she brought. It was this intangible thing. It was really the supernatural. And you and I, the Bible says that we are, we are created uniquely. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that, when, that, that the very makeup of who you are, as his son and daughter, there's things that work inside of you, man, that are attractional to him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But not just in this faith journey, but can I be honest with you, even in life, whatever it is, whatever your dream is, whatever your aspiration is, whatever you're setting out to accomplish, can I just tell you something right now? If you think you can work for it, if you think you can put all these other things, now listen to me, okay? Listen to me. We can manipulate things for a while, but it only goes so far. If we just rest in who we are because of his grace, then things are good. You with me? Esther didn't take anything. She went in. It was the intangible things that were working inside of her. Check this verse out. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It's in the New Testament. I love this one. This is one of my faves. That means favorite. (laughs) 
Acts chapter 4, verse 13, I think it's on the screen, it says this, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now this is the council, this is some rulers, some leaders, and they're looking at, at Peter and John, and really they wanted to punish them, but when they brought them in and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That verse, I love that verse. Because it wasn't about their education, it wasn't about their learning, it wasn't about their training, it was simply about they knew who they belonged to. They belonged to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because that they spent time with Jesus and now people looking at them say, wow, man, there's something about you, but you people are dumb, that's what they're saying. <laughs> You're uneducated, you have no degree, but man, there is something about you and this is what they, they said. Man, the only thing we can figure is they must have been with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my life story right here. Do I have a degree? Yeah, I have a degree. <laughs> Don't ask me what my grades were. But can I tell you something? This right here is my story. Acts 4.31 is my story. Canvas Church exists today because I've learned to get away with Jesus. And let me just tell you this, it's in those moments when, 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 when I try to do things and I try to figure things out and I, and I try to work and I try to, this just don't work. For me, this is my story. Some of you, you find the grace in God because you're really good at working and details and all that stuff. Me, I just need to get, get, get away and pray. Trust me, I'm a much better pastor when I do that. I'm a much better preacher when I do that. Clearly, I must have prayed today. <laughs> I'm a much better husband. I'm a much better father. There, there are times when my wife looks at me and, and she won't say the words because she doesn't need to say them, but it's just the look she gives me. And it's that look of, you should probably just go pray. And after 18 years of marriage, I figured out that look, like last week. I'm like, oh, right? The intangible things, getting away. Is somebody with me this morning? getting away with Jesus. Where did her confidence come from? Her confidence came from, check this out, believing she was chosen. Believing that, that she was chosen. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, the king loved Esther more than all the women. Now, we don't know how many women there were, but there were a lot of them. Okay? Thus, it took 12 months for him to find the right one. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins so that he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of the previous one. She was chosen. She was picked out from amongst a larger group of people for a special purpose and a privilege to be his wife. She was chosen. And because she knew she was chosen, now here's the cool thing. Before she was chosen by a natural king, she was chosen by a heavenly king. And the heavenly king positioned her in the right place so that she could be chosen by the natural king so then things would go on and she could save the whole entire nation. She was chosen. And I don't know about you, but when I recognize that I've been chosen, think about it. She sees all of the other women going through the same treatments, going through the same process. She sees the other women going in and then coming back. She's there. She sees it all. And to know in that moment out of all of them. Now, let me just say something to all the single guys. This is not the way that you get a wife. I saw some single dudes writing down some notes real quick. I've got to get me about 40. I'll choose. Okay? It's not what we're saying. It's a narrative. All right? And because she was chosen, she had confidence. 
She had confidence. I know about you, but, but that gives me confidence. Knowing that I've been, knowing that I've been chosen. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are, say I am. You are a chosen race, a royal priest and a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of he, him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at the very first words, but you are chosen. He has chosen you, which, 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 is, which just gives me confidence because now I understand that I'm in the right place at the right time in the right family in the right church at the right job with the right neighbors in the right neighborhood. Because he chose me. He chose me. And I think all the way back to those days in, in, in middle school. Anybody remember middle school? I know for some of you, you've got you to reach way back in the memory. All right? Not going to mention any names, Mom. Um, but you've got to reach. You've got to reach back. And remember those days in middle school when they used to have a thing called recess. Anybody remember recess? Okay, that's the loudest you've been all day. Some are like, yeah, can we get one right now, Pastor? <laughs> no. Recess. Recess was the greatest thing ever. Lunch break, okay, but recess, when you had about 45 minutes to just run and play, man, that was, that was awesome. I think we should institute that in the workplace. Are you with me? Like, lunch is good, but I need 45 minutes just to go kick a ball or, or play dodgeball. Hey, boss, you want to play, you know, and just, you know, that would be awesome, you know? And I'll never forget those days, though, because they just make you feel, it's like, we used to play kickball. Anybody remember kickball back in the day? Do they still play that? Kickball, it's like, it's like you don't have to be coordinated with a bat. Come on, somebody. You just got to swing your leg at the ball that's rolling that way. And we'd play kickball, but before you could play kickball, everyone would line up, and you would do what? You would choose your team, right? And so here's, you know, 15, 16 kids lined up, and then you pick the two captains first, like, hey, Jimmy and, and, and Ben, you guys are captains. And so then the captains, and now you know that the captains walked a certain way, right? Because they had confidence. They just knew. They'd come strutting in and they would start the choosing process, right? And there's something so powerful yet humiliating about that process. Powerful if you're the first one to get chosen. You're all lined up, and you're sitting there, you know, hoping, and I'll say, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Sam, and then Sam's like, right? He just walks up, kind of looks back at the rest of them, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I've been chosen, and then Sally and Zach and Jill, and I don't even know who these people are, but they get chosen. And, and but here's what happens is they, they walk with their, their chest puffed up, but what you see is you look back at the rest of the group, and, and as, as, as other people get chosen, you just kind of see this. Confidence fading because there's something so confident building about being chosen. Are you with me? Esther was chosen. Because she was chosen, she had absolute confidence in what she needed to do. And I love this statement in Esther 4, 4, 4 uh, 14. It says, for if you keep silent at this time, and this is the moment where she's about to shine and reveal everything. And her cousin Mordecai is talking to her and says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. She was chosen. Because she was chosen, she had great confidence. Let me just give you this last one, and we'll bring it to a close. Her confidence came from knowing God was working behind the scenes. Her confidence came from knowing that 
God was working behind the scenes. She was positioned now as queen in the palace. And check this out. Mordecai just happened to be in the right place at the right time to overhear people devising a plan to take out the king. And because he was in the right place at the right time, is it coincidence? No. What is it? It's God working behind the scenes. And he hears the plan. He gives it to Esther, who is now the queen. Esther brings it to the king. King spared. Story goes on. Nation spared. What is that? That is God working behind the scenes. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a word for you today. It does not matter what your circumstance looks like right now. It doesn't matter what situation you're walking through. It doesn't matter what problem you are facing. You might look at it one way, but you need to know something. God sent me to tell you today that he is working behind the scenes of your situation, of your problem, of your circumstance. You might not know the outcome yet, but God's got this one in his hand. Amen. He's got it. No matter what it is, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're dealing with, this gives us confidence to know that God is not sitting inside space and time, but he is sitting outside of space and time, and he is looking down at your life, and he is saying, son, daughter, don't give up. I know the chances look slim. I know you want to throw in the towel. I know your confidence is waning, but I'm seeing the full picture out here as I look into your circumstance and your situation, and I got this thing covered. I've got it handled. I'm going to work it out. I positioned you. Let me just tell you, I can look back now and listen, you can either learn the hard way or you can learn from somebody else. And there are so many times in my life that I learned the hard way that God was working behind the scenes. Yeah, guitar solo. (laughs) But now on this side, I can look back. I can look back and say, okay, God, that's what you were doing in that hellish season in my life. God, that's what you were doing when I thought you left me and I thought you forsook me. God, that's what you were doing when you said I had to pull out of this and and go over here and do this. God, that's what you were doing when you said cut the tie from that person or this situation or that thing. Because God's working behind the scenes. And knowing that God is working behind the scenes, ah, I feel like there's somebody here today. Now, you needed to hear that last one. You needed to hear this today. Because when you look at your life right now and you look at your situation, you look at some things, some dreams that you had and thought you would be at this place or thought you would be in this moment, and now as you're looking, it seems like it's passed you by or you've passed it by it, yet you don't see the fulfillment or the reality of that thing. God is saying, your chances might look slim, but I'm working on the other end. I'm working on the other end. I'm working on the other end. Have confidence, son. Have confidence, daughter, because I'm working it out because you're my child and I love you. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a moment and just just think about this word as we bring this thing to a close. Every week when I prepare and pray, the final thing I do when the content is there, and I feel like this is the message that God has for Canvas Church, the final thing I do is I say, God, but who is this word for specifically? Just close your eyes for a minute and think about it because maybe it's you. God, who is this word for specifically? We've been having some incredible moments as we've been walking through this series, but 
more than any other message that we've preached in this God of the underdogs. I feel like there's somebody here today that this message was specifically for you. Specifically this last moment where, 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 where you needed to hear this God's working behind the scenes. It fills me with hope. It fills me with patience. It fills me with a God dream once again. Because even in this journey called Canvas, there's so many moments that I can look back and say, God, why did we walk through that? Why did we walk through this circuit? God, what about, what, what, where could we be had we not been through that moment? God, where, where could things be at had this not taken place? God, where could this ministry be at had that person not pulled out and left? And although so oftentimes I'm drawn to look at the natural and begin to try to fix and begin to try to debate and begin to try to I go back to that position of prayer and realize that God's working on the other end. Because as much as I love canvas, he loves canvas so much more. As much as I love the people that he's called me to to pour into and pastor he loves you more as much as he loved Esther to position her in the kingdom had nothing to do with Esther and had everything to do with his people listen to what Mordecai says to her listen Esther if you hold back you and your people will perish but God's going to raise up another because it's not about you it's not about you being queen it's not about your success, it's not about your name, it's not about your fame, it's not about your fortune, it's about his name. It's about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that one thought, that one idea, idea settles everything. It settles everything. Hallelujah. Because when I realize it's about him and his kingdom and his purpose, then I'm assured that he's working things out on the other end. Hallelujah. And you're here this morning. I want to pray for you. I'll pray first for those that are here. And you say, Ben, that, that was for me. I feel that there's somebody here, that last point specifically. You needed to know that God's working it out. The situation looks ugly. The, the chances look slim. But God's working. I wonder who I'm praying for this morning. You're here. Say, Ben, that's me. Could you shoot your hand in the air right where you're at? Eyes closed, heads bowed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lots of you. Lots of you. Lots of you. My chances are slim. I needed to hear that. God, work it out. 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 Hallelujah. Lord, I, I lift up those that are here today that, that said, that's me. I needed to hear that, 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 that. I needed that infusion of faith. But Ben, it's hard sometimes to walk in my shoes. It's hard sometimes to walk through the stuff I'm walking through. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. You might not get out of it today, but I'm telling you, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. God's got it covered. Lord, I thank you for those that raised their hand right now, and I pray you'd infuse them with faith. I pray you'd infuse them with boldness. I pray you'd infuse them with confidence, knowing that you are working things out on the other side. Lord, I pray, God, that they would release and let go and not have the feeling that they need to strive or they need to work or they need to accomplish. But, Lord, just let go and say, God, it's tough, but I'm going to trust in you with all my heart. I'm not going to lean into my own understanding, but all my ways I'm going to acknowledge you. 
Would you direct this situation? And he will. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, God, for an incredible day. Lord, I pray for every person in this place. Lord, I pray we would walk out of this place wrestling with this thought, wrestling through the, the book of Esther and asking ourselves this question, what areas in my life do I feel like the chances are slim? And God, they would present it to you and say, God, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm walking through. Would you take it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.